Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360. Glad you're with us. Monday edition. The Packers could be done with Aaron Rodgers before he even decides what he wants to do off the, the darkness retreat. Again, we posed the question last week. What happens if he emerges from the cave or the tent or the yurt or anything? And he says, you know what? I shanty. In this darkness, I saw the light and I'm staying in Green Bay. But by the time he resurfaces, the Green Bay Packers have already moved on. That's according to Bob again. We'll get to that story I and was our thoughts on, on that coming up. I was on with uh, Doc this morning. We got into a conversation about how long we could last in a darkness retreat. Yeah. And Doc brought up the possibility if you had, like, booze in it. If they allow that, they will allow you. You get to stock it with what you want. Yeah. So if you had booze, and I'm thinking, I could extend my stay in this darkness retreat by two or three days if you allowed for the possibility of me just drinking myself to sleep. Right, and you have you, you can just go sleep for twelve hours and then wake back up, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'll give it a couple hours in this darkness, and then start to sip on something else. I mean, you could really extend things out. I I feel like that wouldn't be a possibility because I view this as solitary confinement, like Shawshank Redemption style. You're getting thrown in the hole for two days or the weekend because you acted up in the prison. Door. This is something. This is a punishment you get for acting up in prison, and people are voluntarily yeah. doing this. Sensory deprivation. Think yeah. about that for yeah. a second. Um, to see something, to see a vision. Well, I mean, I, I think after that amount of time in, in darkness, you're going to see a lot of things because you, you've tricked your brain into hallucination. So we had, um, right? Uh, like, yeah. So, uh, Sunday school in church yesterday, we had this whole lesson about the Sabbath and what you're supposed to do with, you know, the Hebrew of Shabbat, which that is literally to stop, right? That's the Hebrew mm -hmm. word. One of the meanings is to stop. So the Sabbath, you know, you stop everything. It's kind of the idea, your work and everything else. And in doing so, you might, you know, hear from God or know what you need to do or get clarity in doing that. And the whole time, Hutton, I'm thinking about, well, this is what Aaron Rodgers is doing. He's just trying to get God to tell him what to do next, right? You're stopping everything. You don't experience anything. You don't see anything. So and in doing so, you'll get some sort of clear vision as to what to do next. So you're saying, but I could not stop thinking about that during Sunday school. I'm thinking, this is what Aaron Rodgers is sort of doing and doing this. this don't is you his give version. him that idea. This don't is, you plant like, well, he's the next is, Joseph Smith. This is his version of the Sabbath. Yeah, oh man, can you imagine? Don't if he you, comes out and he's like, guys, uh, I don't know about my football future, but I now have a new religion for you. <laughs> but I did. I really saw this, and now this is yeah, what you should do. But I do have these tablets. Yeah. <laughs> he comes out, what if he writes... Like the next, the eleventh command, the Scientology <laughs> manual. What is it called? Yeah, uh, the eleventh commandment. Yeah, like he's gonna write that next. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the Scientology just, manual. <laughs> what is the Scientology transcript called? I don't know. Going clear, so I don't know. That's the documentary. It's called Dianetics, or Dian yeah, that's it. That's the it. Dianetics. Yeah, is part of it. I don't want to give any you know Scientology love here. I'm not gonna say it's like Holy Scripture or anything. 
but it's called it's something. A, it is a thing, though. It's, a, it's okay. It, it was a science fiction author who wrote this book. <laughs> I, when I watched the Going Clear documentary, the first thing I thought was, how did anyone take this seriously? I, this guy was a failed science fiction writer, and then he wrote they, this book about a religion. I'm thinking, he's a science fiction. Fiction is part of this. He's a science fiction writer. And people are it's, taking it like this is the gospel. This is what we should do. This is how we should live our lives. Is that not amazing? And he's the only for one the that's basis ever of our religion. Eight. Yeah, somehow he's the only one that made it. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick three hundred and sixty. Uh, you can type. Uh, you can chat right now with Chad in the in the, the chat's chat room. on fire today. We're yeah. going back and forth. Um, social media and the responses to Marcellus Wiley uh, on fire. And so he posts a video about. His kids and and participation in sports uh, with transgenders also participating. And, well, here's Marcellus Wiley. I have no issue with transgenders. I do have an issue with athletes who are transgender trying to participate, going from a transition of a man to a woman and now playing with the women. And I will say that y'all can try and Dave Chappelle me all y'all want. I am very clear on this. You could be a transgender. You could be the homie. But I'll be damned if a male at birth turns into a female and tries to compete against my daughters. She ain't out there. We, we, we out. Don't make this a human rights issue. This is a biological issue. Simple as that. Trust me. I am a man. And then I'm like, why can't the dudes who transition to women? actually empower women and compete against the men since you so damn bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if I were me, Marcellus, and then tomorrow I'm Martha, I change up my gender, I'm now a woman. You know what I would try to do? Compete against the dudes. Why? Because that's empowering. Oh, you don't want to do that? Why? Why? Hello? Anybody? Because it's easier, damn it. <laughs> Flojo, what's the world record in the, in the 100? 10, 4, 9, 10, 4, 8? What's it in, in, in 100 for men? 958? A damn second almost? Man, y'all better stop playing. And why use objective numbers? Because it's pretty easy to digest. I hate saying fair, but it's just not even right. Forget fair. It's not right. Yeah, and uh, what he's saying, Chad, we have echoed uh, in, in previous chats about this. Um, I'm not saying I'm against whatever they want to do, right? But I'm with you on... Uh, you, you can't just start winning college championships uh, because you are now in a, participating in a completely different level of sport. I, I agree with everything he said. I have no issues with any of it. To me, it's very logical and common sense to have uh, his take on all of that. I am curious, though, now at ESPN if he faces any scrutiny, if he's forced to apologize, or if any colleague says anything. My guess is no. I think that ESPN is probably trying to go away from the forced apology game a little bit with their on-air talent because, and hear me out on this, if you go and look at the tweet that he put out or the social media post, and I, I did, and I looked at the first 25 replies. Of those 25 replies, 18 were negative about Marcellus Wiley. And the chief complaint, and I think the first reply, if you look at it, was something like this that is very common. Stop spreading hate. Stop adding fuel to the hatred fire because there's not many transgender athletes trying to do this and it's not an issue. Now, 
What's very important about this is the fact that no one is saying it's right for a transgender athlete that's a born biological male to compete against female athletes. I cannot find a person arguing that. The argument on the other side of this is simply, it's not a big enough issue to talk about, so shut up about it. And that is the main response to this. The thought is, if Marcellus Wiley is doing this, he's empowering hatred. Mm. He's empowering you know, emotional abuse of transgender people everywhere by simply stating a logical fact of what's right and wrong. There's nothing he said that's controversial, and there's nothing that anyone on the other side of this will come back and say, well, here's why they should be allowed to do it. No. The response every time is, well, just shut up about it because it's not that common of a problem. But they acknowledge it's a problem. So, I look, I think that's progress. We can all acknowledge it's not fair, right? It's just, I mean, it's just some people will admit it and talk about it, and others won't. R- yes. Yet, I have yet to hear a good defense on the other side of what Marcellus Wiley, Wiley is talking about in terms of transgender athletes competing against a sex they weren't born as. Well, there's a, more at outkick.com, but the, there's a, a cricket league that's allowing a, a Melbourne um, athlete to compete against uh, girls as young as 12 um, in cricket. This is six first-class counties are demanding urgent answers from the England and Wales Cricket Board as to why a middle-aged player who transitioned from a man to a woman is being allowed to compete against girls as young as 12. Um, I mean, to me, this, this is the reason why you know this is a story is because you've got this situation where Chad, I mean, you've got a daughter that will soon be 12 years old, believe it or not. And can you imagine you have a, a, a boy slash man competing against her in whatever league it might be? Yeah, it's, and that's it's, what Marcellus Wiley's saying. It's stupid. By the way, someone in our chat says he doesn't work for ESPN anymore? Well, he was FS1. No, he, I mean, if that's he news did, to me. They said he works for Brinks TV. And that's why he's able to speak whatever that to, is. speak whatever's on yeah. his mind. Um, that sort of changes my opinion about it, honestly, because the first thing I thought was, I wonder if he's going to be forced to apologize. He, he's not apologizing now. Uh, if he's no longer at ESPN, there's no reason to apologize for anything he said. So scratch what I said about that one. Um, and you have Alex Morgan, who was um, in town with the uh, women's national team in Nashville, uh, saying that she throws out the idea that the U.S. women's national team should boycott playing in states that bans trans athletes. What is... I mean, again, like... What is... I don't... Bans trans athletes. Talking about from participating against they the like, opposite sex or just like no, they like, can't like, participate at all? You can't participate in competing against the opposite sex sports. That's what she... She's throwing out that, that, that idea. Like if the... If the high school association came up with a, a rule, or you've got uh, you know a, a senator in a, a state that wants to propose a bill that would prevent this from happening, she doesn't want the women's national team playing in that state. What confuses me about this, uh, I hope Alex Morgan watches this show and will hear me out on this, is there a single state that is banning a biologically born male from participating well, in male sports? Well, right, no. Every high school athlete has the right in every state. There's no law that says if Leah Thomas was a high school athlete in Texas or Florida mm-hmm. or Tennessee or any state, Leah Thomas could participate in men's swimming. So they yeah. can participate in sports. 
Yeah, I mean, Leah Thomas wasn't, you know, the champion. Yeah, the rules that are being that. made are just saying you can't go, you can't cross over and participate against another sex. Right. Because you, you know, you were transgender decided to be another sex. That can't happen. I mean, of all the things to protest. I know. It's, again. I like Alex Morgan, too. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand that. So, did you see... I don't understand that stance at all. <laughs> did you see... Uh, Call me old-timey here, but I just don't know that that's the, the hill to die on if you're Alex Morgan about where you're not going to go play. Yeah. Did, did you see DK Metcalf this weekend? I did. Um, so did the NFL, apparently, because he was drug tested for PEDs immediately. Um, the random aspect of having to... Well, he shared his text, yeah. right, that he got from the NFL. Um, I was surprised that was the method they went about. That it's like, hey, this is my such and such name from the NFL's testing office, and you've been selected for a random drug test now. I well, figured it'd be more official in an email or something, not just a text. Well, during the, so during the season, he would just get a, a letter in, on his locker. At least that's how uh, two years ago, I, three years ago, I would see that. Um, during the offseason, they've got to accommodate that wherever he may be. He doesn't have to be in Seattle, you know, during the offseason where he could just go to the practice facility and get that done. So I, my guess is they're just sending the text, which is, good morning, DK. This is Brian Keller on behalf of the NFL. You've been selected for a PES policy collection tomorrow, which is today. Please contact me as soon as possible so that we may arrange a time and place to meet tomorrow. Uh, no coincidence whatsoever. You've been selected. So, is the video real or fake? I, I don't know anything anymore about what's real and what's fake. We just talked about a woman who faked her life into a $10.2 million bender and really had no money. So, I find it... I find I, it to be I, fake. I find it enhanced, okay? Where it, it, there's a slow motion aspect to it where it looks like he's climbing in the air a little bit, you know? Well, they may have slowed it down, but I see now I watch this that we're showing on the screen right now, and I think maybe they just sort of slowed it at the apex of his jump, or he's grabbing to make it look like he's you know catch, levitating yeah. a little bit. But, but maybe but he actually also, jumped that high. But it's also after he won the NBA Celebrity All Star Game MVP, and I saw his dunk in the Celebrity All Star Game, and I, I'm not going to lie, not that impressive. <laughs> I watch it. I'm I'm expecting the guy to dunk with his teeth. The way he jumped in that video, and he barely dunked it on a breakaway. It, it did not look like a guy who could jump that high. It looked like something that that video would have been fake. The way he dunked in the game. And I know right. he's a freak athlete. Yeah. Oh, oh, six, so eight, then I six watch, four, six, five. I, I'm so confused by all that. Can we just say what's fake and what's not? If I watch well, a Marvel movie, I know it's all fake. I like going into something knowing that something's CGI. Well, we got to stop with the tricks, Hutton. But I, what I, makes I it, hate being tricked time and time again. But I do like trying to figure out, like, what we see from him is totally. You could visualize him doing that, you know that that unbelievable athletic uh, athleticism. Yes, I just hate being made to feel like an idiot at all times because I see someone, man, that's incredible, and so it's like, oh, that's clearly fake. They 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 already said it's fake. Okay, okay, now sorry that I'm an idiot because I didn't know that the video that was made to look real was actually Chad, fake. I mean, he, he wins. And I don't know about this one. No one said for sure if it's real or fake. He, I, I, I like the way he got after it in the Celebrity All-Star game. I, I'm looking at the stat line. This is like you getting sent to the layup line in, yeah. in high school that day. Uh, Metcalf finished. That was my Leo Thomas moment. <laughs> yeah. Chad, his punishment was sent to the uh, girls' layup line. 
I had the ball knocked out of my hands. We had half court practice with the boys team. The girls were on the other half. And I, for the second time in the practice, I was holding the ball, waiting in our set offense. Too loose. And a player like hit the ball and jostled it out of my hands for a second. And I regained it, but that wasn't good enough for our coach. And said, if you're going to play that way, you're practicing with the girls the rest of the practice. And I was sent to the other side. And I had to walk up to the girls coach, who was a man, Coach Fryer. And I said, Coach Fryer looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, Coach Bell told me to come <laughs> practice with you guys. Can I help? And he just looked at me and said, yeah, get in there on Stacy Shell." <laughs> so the rest of the practice, I was guarding the post oh. on the girls' side of the practice. And, and domination. I, I decided to yeah take my frustration out by pinning her shot up against the backboard three or four times. <laughs> okay. And when I didn't do that, I just swatted it in the second level of our high school gym over and over. So that visualization. Another example of why men this. shouldn't compete against women, by the way. It's this stat line. Metcalf finished the game, the celebrity game, 20 points, 10 rebounds, four blocks, and hoisting the NBA All-Star That is a workman celebrity like stat trophy. line right there. That's a guy who's all hustle, all effort, was DK Metcalf oh, in that man. celebrity All-Star game. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up in I'd love to know from people, by the way, on Twitter, YouTube, wherever, if you think that video that we just showed is real or fake. It's, the Outkick story believes it's fake. In reading yeah, the story, the very, it has in parentheses, possibly the, fake. At the very pinnacle of the catch, to me, it looks like it's enhanced just an, another half, like the, the, the size of his hand, he goes up a little bit too high. I can see where it may have slowed down at the apex of the jump to mm -hmm. make it look like he's levitating or higher than he was. But I also look at the start of it and think that may be real. Right? They slowed up the top of it just a bit to make it look like he's floating for a second, but the actual jump may be real. Someone else may watch it and say, oh, it's I, completely fake from start to finish, yeah. and it's uh, totally enhanced. It's got to be enhanced some. Because Someone's going to respond and say, you are an idiot for this reason. Yeah, it's got to be enhanced because otherwise he, he's not just, coming off a, a poor season. Well, poor for him. And, I mean, he would be pure, purely dominant against some of these NFL corners. But sometimes he is, but not like that. Well, we know the one uh, photo of him next to A.J. Brown and all the other Ole Miss receivers. That's yeah. real, and it's one of the more remarkable oh, the shirtless photos anyone's ever posted before. Chiseled. I mean, th these NFL, these big NFL wide receivers next to him look like children <laughs> next to D.K. Metcalf when he was getting ready for the NFL draft. Um, coming up, more NFL storylines. Can Derek Carr lead the Jets to a Super Bowl victory? Can he lead them to the promised land? Absolutely not. The Jets may be thinking so after this weekend's visit. Plus, Aaron Rodgers, according to Bob McGinn, whenever uh, the, the time comes to make a decision, the decision won't be the Green Bay Packers because the Packers have already made their mind up on that end of the decision to be made on what's going to happen with him this offseason. Details on that and much more next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Coming up in about an hour with Ro and I, we rank our coaching hires of the offseason, one through five. I think we'll have some varying opinions on that. Again, Probably similar with some, and yeah. then uh, maybe maybe a little bit different. No Nathaniel Hackett layups, though, this, this go-around. Nathaniel Hackett, thank God for that guy, letting me know one game in that it wasn't going to work out. Well. One of the few predictions that I absolutely nailed. After that first game, I said, he's done after one season. This will not work. And it only got worse from there. And now he is the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets. And the Jets, they hosted Derek Carr over the weekend. Woody Johnson going to the offseason said, we're going to load up at, uh, with a veteran. We, we, we lack the veteran presence at quarterback. That's a necessity. Very specific on that. And Woody Johnson at times is, well, not at times, most of the time doesn't show much patience when it comes to coaches and staff and how the Jets go year-to-year, uh, -year, game to game. They're moving on, and for good reason, uh, moving on with other options at quarterback. But they can't just fall in love over the weekend with, with Derek Carr if they have the option of Aaron Rodgers. I understand. I don't think they are. Do you? You think they're falling in love with Derek Carr? Or is this just a backup plan? Uh, so, you know, we so, had Jordan Schultz on Friday. And he was adamant when we talked to him. He said, this, do not let this fool you. They are all in on trading for Aaron Rodgers. They're just making sure they have something. Okay. Of a veteran option if that cannot happen. So this may, I, st this, I still believe that. I want to believe that this, the Jets. This might be the, hey, we're going to say this now so that Derek Carr really likes us, even though we want Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that's it. But Jeff Darlington um, on ESPN said that the Jets really believe that the former Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr, is the type of quarterback that can lead them to a championship and that they feel like he's a, quote, great player and that Carr's meeting with New York was, quote, very positive and went well, end quote. That, that last part, I mean, I haven't heard of a visit going uh, the opposite direction when it comes to these top free agent QBs. Uh, the, the organizations are going to make sure that they don't insult the guy on the way out the door, even if it goes uh, the, the opposite way, right, the, in a bad way. Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. And he's... The, Got records. He holds records for Raiders and Raiders quarterback history. But the premier option this offseason would be the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers. You have to wait on that. And based on what Bob McGinn is saying, and he's doing this based on his own knowledge of the organization 
and not a guess, but his assumption as to what's going to happen and internally with Green Bay, not with Rodgers. You know, the discussion's been, oh, what's Rodgers want to do? Does he want to be back or not? And McGinn was asked, how do you view it from internal? What do the Packers want to do? And if they're moving on, and it sounds like they're done with him, according to McGinn, the Jets, who have reportedly already been in, you know, picked up the phone like many teams have, I'm sure, they've got to be, they've got to make sure that they are one of the front runners to acquire him. Because they have a very solid, young oh, yeah. roster that maybe it's not 2023, but there's, I mean, they're a playoff team with Aaron Rodgers in 2023. Maybe it's, you know, uh, uh, not a Super Bowl roster. Don't know, because Rodgers has had Super Bowl quality rosters in Green Bay. Number one seed type teams, and they lose. But Chad, this is, to me, a no-brainer. You don't sign Derek Carr now if you have the option of getting Aaron Rodgers in a week or two weeks or whenever. So two recent conversations I've had. One with Dan Dockage this morning on Don't At Me. Uh, we were talking about the difference between Rodgers and Carr mm-hmm. if you are a New York Jet. And if Aaron Rodgers walks into your locker room, walks into your training camp, there is a stand-up at attention type moment for Aaron Rodgers that simply does not exist for Derek Carr. Well, but hang One's on. a first ballot Hall of Famer. The other is very no, much not. No, no doubt. No doubt on that. But, there are very few guys but, that have that appeal. But what um, – so the, I know the expectation is Super Bowl, okay, for both guys. Like wherever they go – Carr is the biggest name on the free agent market. But what he does for that team is he gives them a not just a boost, but an edge. Like, okay, we're missing this piece. We had zero respect for Zach Wilson, clearly. He never had our back. You know, how much of this is on the offense? No, I don't think that I don't think that's true, right? The postgame comments. Carr's the exact opposite of that. Where in Oakland and in Vegas, he took the brunt of everything. And would be emotional about it at the podium post post game, right? Because he's like, hey, I, you know, I, I care about this. I don't feel like it's permeating through our locker room. He would bring a, to a young nucleus of a roster, I think, uh, a little boost and a you know kick in the pants that gets them over the hump in some of these games. He's not Aaron Rodgers, but he is. He might be what they need structurally because Aaron Rodgers is going to show up and play, and that's pretty much it. Carr's going to do more than that. I just I don't think what the Jets need is someone that's going to be really good at taking the blame for losses, and that's Derek Carr. So far, it's it's just a different level between him and and Aaron Rodgers. So Jordan Schultz, the other conversation we had on Friday, said Derek Carr is very much a backup plan. Mm-hmm. They're all in on Rodgers. They should be all in on Rodgers for this reason: young roster, talented roster. The response to Aaron Rodgers coming in and leading that team is just different. Derek Carr could be a much better teammate. Derek Carr could be a better leader. He could be more accountable. He could be there more often than Aaron Rodgers. I just still don't think it has the same impact from a standard attention type mode for the Jets and a play mode right now between Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. Jordan Schultz brought up a great question about this. Would you rather... I believe it was Jordan Schultz that was on with us. Would you rather have Derek Carr for four years or Aaron Rodgers for two years? My response is I'd rather win a Super Bowl. And I think the odds of winning a Super Bowl are far greater with Aaron Rodgers in two years than Derek Carr for four years. But here's the predicament the Jets are going to be in. They're at the mercy of Aaron Rodgers' timeline. 
right? They have to figure out the clock for them where they don't lose out on Derek Carr if he's the backup option, if their first option continue. Maybe Aaron Rodgers needs to go on another darkness retreat to figure it out. I you think have to, you, you've got to you, wait on Aaron Rodgers. But if you wait and you miss out on him and you You're get not, Carr signed somewhere here's, else, here's what do my, you do? But here's my, my thinking on this, all right? And I hope Derek Carr proves me wrong. Derek Carr ain't winning the Super Bowl. Your goal with the Jets with this roster that's still developing but is to win a Super Bowl. You cannot, because you fear Aaron Rodgers' timeline, commit to Derek Carr. If Aaron Rodgers who you want, you go after Aaron Rodgers on his time and hope to get him. If not, you're still in the mode of finding that franchise quarterback, whether it be in the draft or a year from now or whenever. So I would just hate it if I were the Jets, and I'm a Jets fa- if I'm a Jets fan, mm-hmm. I would hate, boy, we had to make a move with Derek Carr because he was pushing up our timeline and Aaron Rodgers was on his darkness retreat and wouldn't give us an answer, so we committed to Derek Carr, but even it, though Aaron Rodgers was a possibility. I'm not, I'm not saying the darkness retreat is the timeline. I'm saying if it's not four days, but four weeks that you have to wait. Wait four weeks. Without a guarantee. Wait four weeks. I would rather go all in for Aaron Rodgers and risk not getting Derek Carr, him signing with New Orleans or whoever, and you missing out on both than settling right now for Derek Carr. I would wait on Aaron Rodgers, and I would do it on his timeline if that's what it took. That may sound like loser mentality to some. I think it's the opposite. I think it's you saying Aaron Rodgers can win a Super Bowl. We've seen it. We have the roster where we can compete for one now. We will take two years with him. We won't settle for Derek Carr for three or four years. He can go sign with New Orleans. He'll make them better. We know that. Still a good quarterback. Not a great quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a year removed from being back-to-back league MVP. He's still a great quarterback. That's what I'm doing if I'm the Jets. They may very well settle and say, we can't no, well, wait on Aaron Rodgers. Let's get the best option right now that wants to sign with us. I don't think they settle. I don't think it's a rush. But at some point, you do have to look at the calendar and, and figure it out. And if Bob McGinn is, and there's no reason to think he's, he's inaccurate, but he's doing it based on his judgment of how the organization over the years uh, has reacted to Rodgers and this cyclical annual saga. They're over him. They're done with it, with Bob, with what McGinn was saying. So uh, if that's the case, then you know you have a great shot. And Nathaniel Hackett's there for a reason, Chad. Just like Denver hired him. I mean, it's no secret that they wanted Rodgers, and it's not just a coincidence that the contract and the trade was set up with Russell Wilson it, with the idea that if Rodgers does something else, we'll execute this trade with Seattle. And they did it within the hour of Rodgers announcing that he was going to be back in Green Bay. But I think he clearly likes Nathaniel Hackett because he's been hired now two places in two years where Rodgers could be the, the quarterback. I just think they're all in on Rodgers. I may be proven wrong on that, but I think they're willing to wait it out and go by his funky schedule and let him you know, waffle back and forth on whether or not he's going to play and decide when to show up because they know that Aaron Rodgers, of the options now, that Brady's gone, is their best option to possibly win a Super Bowl. Chad, Eric Bieniemy, he is now the offensive coordinator and the assistant head coach in Washington with the Commanders. All of this discussion about, oh, no one's going to hire Eric. No one has hired Eric Bieniemy as a head coach. I... I, over the weekend, I'm just randomly thinking, I think uh, based on the way Washington is set up, Eric Bieniemy could be the interim head coach there next year. Yeah, if they 
play poorly or saying Rivera's yeah. done. No, I agree. Especially if the, look, they sell is, the team and they're trying to set up things before. I, there's no more excuses now for him not to get it. a head coaching yeah. job if he does well. This here, is it. Yeah. Right? I, I said it last week. Full like control. All this talk about it being a race thing, I don't buy it right now at all. Right. And there's reasons you can say that he hasn't been hired. If he goes and wins and they play great offense with this quarterback situation, whether it be Sam Howell or whoever is a starter, he's going to get a head coaching job. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. And if he doesn't, the league should investigate, quite frankly, well, about what's up with Eric Bieniemy and the reason he's not getting a job. So if he can win with this group and now it's his offense, then more power to him. He's going to be a head coach somewhere, whether it be Washington or somewhere else. I, I fully believe that especially with the amount of interviews he's already been on at other places, being, you know, it's Andy Reid's offense. We all know that. But still being a part of that Andy Reid offense has given him opportunities. Succeeding now will give him even more. Yeah, and so I think the other important factor here is uh, Ron Rivera's done a nice job giving all of the things on the, on the, the border of the Washington Commanders organization what he was able to pull off and all the different hurdles that took place in what was a extremely difficult division. Hats off to him. I, I mean, I don't think he got enough credit for the job he did this past season, even though it wasn't the best team. Um, they, the quarterback carousel and everything else that's gone on, he's now reached out and he's landed Eric Bieniemy, where other teams wanted to ch- talk with him. Baltimore reached out and chatted with him about offensive coordinator. The Tennessee Titans wanted to chat with him. There's been no report that they actually did, but they did request permission, according to reports, along with Matt Nagy. Um, but Bienemy chose Washington with Ron Rivera, where he has total control and say over what he's going to be able to do. And it doesn't have to be Carson Wentz either. I get the sense it's Bienemy's call based on the assistant head coach promotion that they're giving him to move over from Kansas City where he's winning titles and having interviews. And I, as far as like why he's not been a head coach, I'm waiting to hear from Eric Bieniemy on this. All I hear from are talking heads and assumptions. I haven't heard Eric Bieniemy say anything on this. I don't know that I've ever heard Eric Bieniemy in an interview. <laughs> now that I you mean, mentioned that, I, I, it's very rare that I've seen him at a podium or conducting an interview as we know over the 15 around the league that he's Yeah, had. but I mean, I'm saying actually seeing him with the media, I don't know... I'm sure he, you know, he does. He has weekly availability that I could go back and watch, but he hasn't really said anything of note. I guess is my point about this or anything else. He gets his chance now. I mean, this is sink or swim time Brian, where he's not under Andy Reid. Robinson at back, and we're going to find out who was outright winning the job at running back um, prior to being shot, and then he came back and played and finished strong. Uh, Dotson and McLaurin at, at wide receiver. Now they got to figure out the QB. I like that he's doing it. I like that he's taking the leap and and going and running his own show now. Uh, it's sink or swim time, right or wrong. If he succeeds, everyone who interviewed him and did not hire him is going to look like a fool. And if he doesn't succeed, everyone who interviewed him and didn't hire him will look smart. Because then they'll come back and say, see, it was Andy Reid's offense all along, and it was not him. And that is now clear because he has failed in Washington. That's going to be the response from the league and people who cover it, right or wrong, based on this. If he succeeds with a lackluster quarterback situation, he should get a head coaching job. He should get that opportunity. Yes. And I think he will. Yes. And if, if, if the offense is having success, but they start slow, 
watch out because I think the storyline is going to be not on Ron Rivera, but is it the enemy that's going to be tagged as the interim if they make a move? Don't know. And they're going to sell the team before anything like that happens. But it's a very intriguing storyline, just like you would see around the league with veteran coaches that are looking for a chance to climb the ladder again. And you've got a coach that has extremely high expectations based on either the division or the owner. And we know the current owner there is crazy uh, in Washington. Chad, the, uh, Rex Ryan, he interviewed with the Broncos uh, this weekend, I believe on Saturday, is whenever he was uh, chatting with Sean Payton. And the Sean Payton hire, and we'll rank ours coming up, but the, the, the Sean Payton hire, this is the difference between the clout he brings and the other coaches, the new coaches that are putting together staffs. This staff that they're throwing together in like Arizona is extremely young, you know, kind of piecemealing it together. And you're getting Rex Ryan interviewing for the job. Like the, and he's, Rex he's, Ryan being sort of left to hang out to dry, it looks like, in terms of whether or not he's going to offer him the job. But like, so they they have like combed through all of these different coordinator options, and they continue to figure out what they're going to do. But the idea that I mean, there was a time where Rex Ryan. I mean, you just turn on the highlights of the defenses, or you just know the guy's last name, and the you know he steps foot in the facility for the first time, and he's he's already the defensive coordinator. Right, he's flying out to meet and chat and interview with with Sean Payton. I think the veteran coaches see a successful team on the horizon because Payton is there. I think it's also important that Sean Payton of the options he had the option. One of the options was to just go back and continue to do the meet, do Fox for another year if you don't want to coach Russell Wilson. But he chose to do that. I think that's also important to note is even if you don't buy the fact that he didn't have as many options as he did, he chose this one instead of the guaranteed option of just going back and waiting another season and you wait for the contract to expire in New Orleans and then you jump back in without compensation being needed. I'm just, I marvel at the fact that what you mentioned, he interviewed for the job yeah, and we still don't know whether or not he's going to join the team. And so they, he's leaving. This would be like John Gruden at one point interviewing for a head coaching job and yeah, the owner yes. being so powerful that he had to sit and wait and go back to Bristol and work at ESPN until he decided whether or not he was going to be a part of it. It's the same deal. Rex Ryan, as a coordinator, carries so much clout that it's the same situation there where Sean Payton has the power and authority to let him wait on whether or not he's going to hire him. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe they've offered him and it's Rex Ryan that's waiting to figure out what he wants to do, whether he wants to keep working in television or join the, the Broncos staff? I don't think so. I think this is Sean Payton making him wait. And well, he has the power to do that. Well, what Sean Payton's having to decide is, does he want Vance Joseph or Rex Ryan? Both run a 3-4. And Vance Joseph, they wanted, they had asked permission with Arizona, and Arizona was dragging their heels on figuring out if they were going to retain him if he had to honor the contract whatever they they allowed him to do it and said that yeah go ahead and interview um so that's the that's the next step is what's vance joseph want to do maybe sean payton's want waiting on vance joseph is you know the eagles job is up for grabs as well uh you've got denver both solid defenses and both of these spots chad are coordinator positions where 
you get to level up, right? It's like D'Amico Ryan's taking over for Robert Sala's defense in San Francisco. You are immediately uh, relevant as a, yeah. again. And so Joseph with Denver or Philadelphia would crush it with that It's an opportunity to be relevant. It, it, sometimes when you have these all-star coaching staff scenarios, it backfires too. And uh, Vance Joseph, apparently that interview lasted eight hours between uh, Joseph and Peyton. Not as long as Ursay's. No. Few can hold an interview as long as Jim Ursay can with Jeff Saturday, who, are, who he already knew well, but still had to interview him for 12 hours. Coming up, we will rank our top hires uh, five to one. We'll go in reverse order and we'll tell you which team made the best and worst decision of this offseason coaching cycle. But when we come back, a sign of, well, an example of how times have changed from the 80s and a news report we saw on social media this weekend uh, for a small town out of Texas to today's new age, a new world. That's next to now kick 360. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad, you mentioned it was a big weekend for the Kentucky Wildcats. They got it done. They, they got did. the big win. Uh, both times they've run up against Tennessee, they've had a must-win scenario at that point in their season. They came through in both of them. Nothing nothing pretty about it, right? But, like, a win's a win for them. Yeah, That's Tennessee big. was miserable once again, too. I mean, you know, you go, well, four, now it's, you go four for – if you count front and, front and one and ones, four for 20 – from the free throw line, 0 for 8 in the second half. So how do you view that it? That has nothing to do with Kentucky. That has everything to do with Tennessee They're not top getting team free in the throws country. and layups. They're a top team in the country. Uh, but how do you view it from, okay, at least they're going through this slump now and getting out of the way, or is this now the trend and it's becoming who they are? I think so. We're every major conference team. And I, 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 I realize saying that knowing they beat Bama. Yeah, I did a Fox News Minute on this with North Carolina, for example. Right, they got to get some big wins now. They have two opportunities, at home against Virginia, at home against Duke for quad one wins. They go to Notre Dame and to Florida State. Those teams are 8-20 and 20 and 10-17. and 17. Mm. That would be disastrous. That would put them out of the tournament if they lose those. you got to win those two road games, and you got to probably win both home games if you're North Carolina. So everyone's down to the nitty-gritty. Tennessee is another example. they got four games left. They've lost three out of four, and I want to say like five out of seven or four out of six, something like that. They have two away games at AM, who's now in the top 25 for the first time all year on Tuesday. And then they go to Auburn to end the season. They need to split those away games, and they need to beat uh, South Carolina, who's miserable at home on Saturday. And they need to beat, avoid disaster against them, and beat Arkansas, who's pretty mm. good, 
but beat them in Knoxville the following week. If they go 3-1 and one down the stretch, then I think they've avoided a death spiral. Hutton, if they go 2-2 two and two or 1-3, and three, the Tennessee Vols are officially in a death spiral going into the tournament. That's probably putting them at a 5-6-7 five, five seed. If they go 3-1 and one and beat Auburn on the road or beat A&M on the road and just handle business at home, just one of the two. If they sweep, they're in great shape, right? But just one of the two, win one of those road games and, and take care of business at home, I think they're going to put themselves, if they don't have a terrible performance in the SEC tournament, in a good spot for a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament, and they'll be fine. So they're still fine right now because they beat Alabama, which helped, the number one team in the country last week. But if they can't split these away games or they lose one of the home games, they're, they're in a, a tricky spot where there's not a lot of room for optimism in the tournament, and they need to get one of the two back at least, Phillips or Josiah if Jordan-James. That's the, uh, the finish that's going to lead people to and hey, Kentucky, the sauce. Kentucky's going to get in the tournament. I firmly believe that. Yes. That's going to be a tough out because that is a team that has drastically underperformed all year. And you look out there, it is five-star, 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 defending Naismith Player of the Year and Oscar Shebway, who we're showing right now. They're healthy. They're more versatile with Cason Wallace at the point, who's a bigger guard and a freshman. That is going to be a team that could go on a run once they get in the tournament. They may be an eight seed or seven seed in the tournament, but they could very easily go on a deep run. The opposite of where Tennessee could end up, for instance. Tennessee uh, may be a two or three seed that could get bounced in the first or second round. Yes. On the opposite side. Correct. Again, hitting the sauce because uh, the nostalgia of this old news report from the 80s. So uh, Cali Nostalgia is a account on social you can follow for this, but here is a news report from Texas. Uh, Chad, enjoy. Still, any attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. It's kind of getting common this when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least drink one or two beers. They're making it laws where you can't drink when you want to. You, can't, you have to wear a seatbelt when you're driving. And pretty soon we're going to become this country. <laughs> I mean, our freedoms were under attack. And we didn't even know it in the 1980s. 11, 12 hours a day, you can't enjoy a cold beer on your drive home. I don't think that, uh, like for years in this country, I don't think DUIs were really a thing unless you crashed your car. Yeah. Right? Like if you had to like, <laughs> you know, steer your vehicle into danger or run it off the road. Well, could they prove it To get it, cited for anything that yeah. was driving under the influence. When was the breathalyzer out? I don't know. It's uh, a great question. This guy hates them. Telling you when to put that seatbelt on and can't drink and drive. Next thing you know, we're communist Russia. We're becoming a country a where a man line. can't work 12 hours a day and get <laughs> off work and enjoy cold beer. I don't work my ass off all day to not get in my truck and not enjoy a few beers on the drive home. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, coming up, uh, we what enjoyed a time to be alive. Tiger over the weekend. We'll recap his performance. And we'll also recap the coaching hires across the NFL. Chad and I will rank them. That's next.